Good morning. I read somewhere in the book that uh, God added to their number uh, those who were being saved. Thank God for baptism this morning. I'm Gary. You know me, one of the pastors here. And for those who are online, it is good again to be in the house of prayer and praise for worship. I greet you in the strong name, the strong name, the strong name of the Savior Jesus. I begin with words from Howard Thurman today. In case you don't know him, allow me to offer a brief introduction. Howard Thurman was an American author, philosopher, theologian, mystic, educator, and civil rights leader. He was the spiritual mentor to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and many others, including former U.S. Representative John Lewis. Thurman describes the mood of thanksgiving, the mood of thanksgiving in this, in his meditation entitled, The Watering of Our Roots. Let's listen. Surrounded by all the memories and the dream and the hopes and the desire of so great a, so great a host of witnesses, we still ourselves in the presence of God, gathering together all of the things that are needful for our peace. The mood of thanksgiving overwhelms us when we remember, when we remember how good and great is our fortune, even as we are mindful of the ways that are hard and difficult for so many whose names are known to us and whose pictures are vividly in our minds. It is so great a privilege to experience the watering of one's roots in a time of such dryness, dryness in the world. It is in, the, it is in this spirit that we gather for worship and wait with holy expectation in the presence of God. Now hear, now hear the psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your iniquity, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor requite us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are as high above the earth, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear him. The psalmist doesn't beat around the bush, there is no ambiguity as to the source of blessing. There is no doubt 
The psalmist is sure that God is the source of all things. As the psalmist surveys his or her life, the psalmist is sure that God did it. For the psalmist, the simple reality is that God is good all the time and therefore worthy of thanksgiving and praise. Depending on the translation of the Bible you are reading, the often repeated phrase in that passage, bless the Lord, might also read praise the Lord. They are interchangeable. There is nothing in Psalm 103 to suggest that he is inhibited or shy or withdrawn. There is nothing to suggest half-hearted praise to the adoration to the God of heaven. There is every indication that the psalmist is unbridled and wide open as he or she blesses the Lord, as he praises the living God. The psalmist from the place of spiritual overflow begins by addressing his own soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. The psalmist seems to offer, seems to offer a foreshadowing of the words of Jesus as he rebuked, as he chastised the Pharisees who wanted the crowd to be silent as he entered Jerusalem on a coat on what we now know as Palm Sunday. Jesus said, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The psalmist will not be quiet. His self, his personality is admonished to bless the Lord. His inward parts, his heart, his kidney, his stomach, everything within him somehow ought to bless the Lord. The psalmist reminds me of my friend Renita. She was a pastor who became a, a dear friend, sister, and prayer partner. When I was a graduate student in seminary, we served together at a large membership church in Atlanta, Georgia. Renita stood about six feet tall, and she had a commanding presence. She was regal as she would approach the sacred desk, the pulpit, to preach and, to preach and proclaim the word of God every time as she approached the pulpit, Pastor. She would throw her head back, and she would utter these words from Psalm 34. She would say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Then she would say, my soul makes this boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Cancer took Pastor Renita from us too soon. But even in her death, as we gathered to celebrate her life 11 years ago, we could not do so without repeating often, often, often those words that we had heard her say so many times. The verse was her trademark act of unbridled praise to God. I will bless the Lord at all times. Renita knew like the psalmist in 103, that God ought to be praised. In every circumstance of this, there was no doubt, and she wanted everybody, everybody to know. 
you might be wondering this morning why God ought to be praised. There's a long list of reasons why in Psalm 103, and the psalmist recounts them one by one. The psalmist would say, we praise God because God forgives our sins. We praise God because God heals our diseases. God redeems us from the pit. Anybody been in a pit? A place where you thought there was no way out, there was no discovery, it was dark and you wondered what in the world you would do. This is the God who redeems us from the pit, who offers steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies us with good. He vindicates, he defends the oppressed and provides justice. In Psalm 103, the psalmist advises himself, to count its blessings, to name them one by one, to not forget all God's benefits. In the litany of remembering, the psalmist recalls how God forgives all our iniquity. In other words, God forgives crookedness and perversity and twisted natures and wicked ways. In recognition of God's nature, the psalmist invites himself to praise and bless the Lord because God heals all diseases. There is, my friends, enough evidence in these 11 verses of the psalm to faithful to declare that God, the psalmist is aware that God is good all the time. Thus, there is thanksgiving and praise. Thus, there is no room for half-hearted praise. The writer of the psalm does not want us to miss it. Praise, kept under pressure, can erupt like a volcano, and it will overflow. The psalmist knows that God did it. It is God who redeems life from the pit. He rescues us from the lowest place. It is God who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. The psalmist declares that God can be trusted, can be counted on, and he knows that God can be trusted. God crowns us with hesed and couples it with mercy. Hesed is one of those Hebrew words. It reflects the steadfast love of God toward us. It appears 246 times in the Old Testament. I count it. Not really. Somebody else did, but it's true. It is the love that best describes the loyal commitment of God toward us. It was demonstrated, this Hesed, in the story of Esther, where King Xerxes showed Hesed toward the future queen. It is demonstrated in the story of Ruth and Boaz after she stayed faithful with her mother-in-law. Boaz showed goodness and mercy toward her, becoming her protector and redeemer. And perhaps more familiar, surely goodness and hesed, goodness and mercy, surely goodness and hesed, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
Finally, the writer of the psalm declared that God satiates, satisfies us with good. He fills us with goodness, not just in a moment of worship, but all the moments to come. God satisfies our deepest, deepest longings. Isaiah sums it up this way. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. From the place of personal overflow, out of the awareness of God's blessing, the psalmist then turns to the congregation. The the psalmist turns to us and he invites the hearer to realize what God has done in the past for all who have been oppressed. I simply ask you this morning, has God done something for you in the past? that conjures even in your memory just now. He quotes God's description of God's self to Moses when we find these words in Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God does not deal with us as justice demands, but rather deals with us with amazing grace. Allow me, if you would, and even if you don't allow me, I will anyway, (laughs) to put a providence remix on the text. Allow the preacher a little bit of mercy. That's hesed, friends. Please do not judge me as I press this claim. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Providence, God did it. Bless the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. God did it who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. God did it. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. God did it. Who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God did it. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. When we recognize that God did it, praise is the natural response. Prompted from the place of gratitude. But there is a requirement for praise that for some is a challenge. Praise does not spring up like a flower out of dry ground. It just does not come from nowhere. Praise comes from somewhere. Praise is rooted and connected with our personal and our communal encounter with the living God. In the words of Howard Thurman, the mood of thanksgiving overwhelms us when we remember how good and great is our fortune. 
we must have met Jesus for ourselves. We must have gone through something. We, I, identify, I identify with the singer of a spiritual song when she said, I looked back and wonder how I got over. Can you look back and wonder how you got over? Can you look back and wonder how you survived? Can you look back and wonder how God was able to bring you through? I hope you can. We must have a personal witness and testimony. We must have a memory and a recollection of what God has done in our own life. We must have a corporate and communal experience of God. And Sunday, Sunday worship is such a place, but our lives in between is such a place. When we meet this standard, we praise. You know, I reminisce often as I think about sermon preparation. And I've been reminiscing about a phrase or a phrase I heard as a boy growing up in Mississippi. The often repeated phrase in worship and Bible study and church meeting and otherwise was this. When I think about the goodness of God and all that he's done for me. Oh, sometimes there was excitement behind that phrase because folk began to think about the goodness of God and all that God had done. That's another way of saying God did it. Walk with me through the book for a moment. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a divine encounter with an angelic messenger and on the other side of it, in a sense, in a moment of spontaneity, she said, my soul to magnify the Lord, she praised. The angels who knew the company of God in heaven appeared to shepherds on a hillside, and what they said to them was, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors, they praised. The Gerasene demoniac who had been running around naked but was now clothed and in his right mind and near Jesus, he began to praise and tell people that identify with what God, Jesus, had done in his life. The blind man in John's gospel went on trial before the Pharisees. They thought it a crime that Jesus had healed him. He said, this I know, all I know is that now I see he gave God glory. I will bless the Lord at all times. We will bless the Lord at all times. I invite you to know Jesus for yourself. I invite you to believe, if you will, that God did it. I invite you to tell someone what you know because God did it. I invite you to tell someone who you know because God did it. His steadfast love endures forever. Finally, there is a preeminent marker that God did it, and we dare, dare, dare not forget. And the hymn, the hymn says it well. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow. 
lead me to Calvary. The hymn reminds us God did it. The hymn reminds us of God's sacrifice, and the Bible supports the claim. But God demonstrated his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. The hymn refrain continues, Lest I forget Gethsemane, God did it. Lest I forget thine agony, God did it. Lest I forget thy love for me, God did it. Lead me to Calvary. When I think about Calvary, when I think about the cross of Christ, the mood of thanksgiving overwhelms me and praise springs up like an erupting volcano. I'm just grateful and my heart is filled with gratitude and so I praise. I say to myself, self, bless the Lord. Self, do not forget God's benefits. Self, make your own list and praise the Lord. I beg you, brothers and sisters, make your list of benefits. Like the psalmist, then bless the Lord. Make your list of benefits like the psalmist and then praise the Lord. And then when you think about the goodness of God and all that God has done for you, praise. May praise be your natural response from the place of gratitude. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Forget, get, 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 get.
forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thy 